want you to look at the chief purpose of prayer as the Lord, these are, as the Lord would give us revelation as to why does he want us to pray? And here's what he says, I go unto my Father, that's Jesus, and whatsoever you ask in my name, that I will do, and here's the answer, that the Father may be glorified through the Son. The purpose of prayer is that the Father is glorified through what Jesus does. So it's interesting that the chief purpose of prayer is that when we bring our requests and we bring our praise and we bring our questions to God, that the purpose is that Jesus wants to move into our life so that the glory of the Father is revealed through what Jesus is doing in us. He desires to minister to us. Some of you came in here today in need. You just found out something about a doctor's report. You, your family may be in a new level of stress. You may, um, you may have a children that are in difficult environment. I don't know what it is, but you were brought in here today and you came in need. And you, the reality is nobody may know that. There may have been 10 people ask you today, how are you? And you said, fine. And you lied every time. We've been there. I've done that. Haven't you done that? But the Lord knows who you are and he knows what he, that he, he wants you to know that his desire is to work in you in such a way that it brings glory to the Father. If you know that's what he's wanting to do, then we should not be so quick to ask, to go and ask him, Lord, help us out in this situation. He's willing, and do you know his power is love, his intention is restoration, and his purpose is transformation. All of those things are related to asking God and what he's wanting to do in our life. But in many cases, churches, individuals, we've become, listen, this is a little painful, we've become societies of our own making, where personal preference of style, taste, and comfort have become our idols. We didn't realize it. But going to have our taste and our style and our preference filled has, have become idols in our life. And when that happens, the fresh water, they sing it one song, the fresh water that flows from the throne of God, the water of life, begins to be stopped up in our lives individually. And it can actually be stopped up within the life of the church. And we just keep going, but the fresh water of life, the power of God, the love of God, has ceased to flow among his people. Actually, reality may have ceased to flow within us. My grandfather owned a couple of hundred acres of land out, out near Walnut Grove. And when my dad inherited this land, he divided it between four brothers. And so all four of us live out on the old farm land. And where my grandfather lived, one of my brothers, Lonnie, lives there now. Down at the bottom of his, in a hay field, is an old windmill. And at that windmill, what brought it to my attention as I was studying this, because the Lord took me in a whole different direction today than where I was wanting to go was planning to go, is that at this windmill, um, it's been broken for a long time. The fan on top uh, actually fell off, and my brother's rebuilding it, putting all the fan blades back on, going into the gearbox inside, rebuilding the gears, 
and he's really close to installing, having a crane come out and reinstall that big fan on the top of, the, of that windmill. Been wanting him to do that a long time, so I'm glad he's getting that done. And then one of the things that they've done, below that windmill, the well itself is capped off with a concrete cover, and so they have to remove that cover. And it's 15, maybe 20 feet down to the, to the well. And so we put our least smart grandchild down into the well. The one that you could you know, afford to lose if you had to. Just kidding. I just made that up. That's not true. <clears throat> so I put him down in there and took a small shovel and a bucket, of course, because his job was to to dig out or clean out that well. But when he got down there, he was standing on dry ground. It was just dirt ground. And they started, he started digging, dug a couple of feet down, and the dirt got a little moist. So he just kept digging, and they kept hauling out dirt. Another couple of feet down, he was standing ankle deep in water. He just kept digging and kept digging until he hit bottom, and it was solid limestone rock at the bottom. And at that time, he was up to about this high in water. Uh, and what was interesting, he says, while I was down there, here's what I noticed. The well was flowing like a river through it. That it was, it was just a, a river, underground river that was flowing and would just bypass or go by that well because it was flowing across the well through the rock walls and all. And I thought, I thought that was kind of interesting and it, He's been talking about it. We watched him do that. And this is what the Lord was speaking to me all day, all this past week, and transformed my thinking from what we were going to speak about today. And the reality is that there's a chance that many of us have our wells filled up where once fresh water flowed through it. It was cold. It was clear. It was clean. It was, it was life. But over time of just living, sediments of our life just begin to fill up that area and begin to pack up on top of that area, pack up on top of that area. And after, after a period of years, the, what we, we have memories of the fresh water, but what we have now is the taste of dust spiritually within us. Because there have been things built up or grown, allowed to grow within us that have stolen away our life that we once knew in relationship to the Lord. If you have your book, uh, Bible, I want you to look at Genesis 26 with me. The Lord took me to this passage this week. Starting in verse 17, all of that chapter tells you the story, but just for brevity, I'm going to start in verse 17 of chapter 26 of Genesis. Because the story I just told you is a true story. It's happening right now on my family farm <clears throat> that that's getting ready to happen, but this also happened in an Old Testament story, and here's what I'm going to read to you. Isaac, the son of Abraham, moved away from there and entered, encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the names his father had given them. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a, a fresh water there. 
But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen and said, that water is ours. So he named the well Isaac, and Isaac means disputed, because they disputed with him over that water. Then they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one. She also named it Sitna, which means opposition. He moved on from there and dug another well. No one quarreled over, the, over it, and he named it Rehoboth, which means room. We've been given a place or room. Now the Lord has given us room, and he will flourish, and we will flourish in the land. Just as in the physical sense, the underground water that is beneath us, thank the Lord for it, that there are rivers that flow underneath the ground, is a hidden provision of the Lord for all of us, for physical life. This story was written in the Negev, and if you know anything about that area, it's desert land. And so for Abraham and for Isaac and the Israelites, and you know all of the Middle Eastern countries, you've seen it on television, some of your kids are fighting wars there, but it's desert. And the only way you survive past two or three days is to be able to find water, because you cannot survive it without water. It's a vital commodity. So this was happening in the Negev, and they would have to dig down by hand, like Abraham did when he went into the land to, to take his possessions, which were many, so he dug many wells for to find this hidden provision for survival in the land. That, as a matter of fact, these wells became the center of the cities that, of which much of the population grew around. One of the largest cities in, in that area, just under the size of Jerusalem, grew right around one of Abraham's wells. As it began, so it's a source of life. It's a place where things survive or die. Abraham and Isaac found that supply, and it allowed them to live and, and prosper in that in that land. A spiritual well is hidden, is a hidden provision of God. That's why we've been. This is day twenty-seven of our fifty-two days, and what the whole intent of this fifty-two. 52 days of prayer is I've, I've been praying and hoping that we would begin to discover the condition of the water of our life. Is there a flow of clean, fresh, living, life-giving water? Or has that settled somewhere underneath the dust of our life, the other issues of our life? I'm going to show you in a moment what we do, what, what we do as Christians, what we do as uh, Christian churches, when we have become dusty and don't know what to do about it. The scripture, I'm going to show you what Jeremiah says about it in just a moment. But when this gets stopped up in our lives, you know what happens? We begin to function completely by self-effort. Everything we do is stuff we manufacture. I don't know about you. I really don't want to see what I can manufacture or what you can manufacture. Because it's not, it doesn't bring life. What I want is that flow of God in my life. Fresh water flowing from the throne room of God. That in that, where out of that springs forth life at every level. And there's enough reserve in us to, that life flows out of us into others who are thirsty. But when we're dusty 
and the thirsty come to us and all they get is a bite of dust, they don't want any more of it. They came for life. They came for living water. Turn with me, I said Jeremiah. Jump over there to Jeremiah. It's much further to the right in your Bible. Jeremiah chapter 2. This is a revelation of what Jeremiah the prophet says we do when we get dusty. This is what we do as a church when we have stopped depending upon the flow, the life flow of the Lord in our life. Have you found Jeremiah 2? Look at verse 13 is where we'll begin. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns, that cannot hold water. Is Israel a servant, a slave by birth? Why then has he become plunder? Lions have roared, they have growled at him, at his people. They have laid waste in his land. His towns are burned and deserted. Also the men of Memphis and Taphnius have shaved the crown of your head, or another definition is cracked you on the head. You have not brought this to on yourselves by you have have you not brought this on yourselves by forsaking the Lord your God when He led you in the way? Why now go to Egypt? Or that's going back to your bondage. Why then go to Egypt to drink water from the Sheor? And why go to Assyria to drink water from the river? Your wickedness will punish you. Your backsliding will rebuke you. Consider then and realize how evil and bitter it is for you when you forsake the Lord your God and have no awe of me, declares the Lord Almighty. A cistern is a uh, hand-dug hole in the ground And many times they will put some kind of a plaster. After they've dug the hole, they'll put some kind of a plaster in that hole. And it is a place where you go to the well and bring buckets of water to fill that cistern. And what it's saying, what Jeremiah is saying is, you've, because of some issues in our life, we've let the dust build up. The fresh water has stopped flowing. So guess what we do? We dig holes And fill it with our own water. We carry water to it. But Jeremiah said it like this. God spoke to him and said, I understand what you're doing to keep life going. But that's not my plan for you. My plan is to be a a well springing up with fresh water, with life. It should not be a a, self-effort kind of work. The body of Christ, the church, the work of the church should not just be self-effort. Now don't hear me wrong. We're called into the ministry. We're called to serve the Lord. We're called to serve one another. And we we do that. A lot of you served yesterday and went door to door hanging flyers trying to get our children of our neighborhoods to come into Vacation Bible School. That's good work, and I'm so grateful for it. But if those kids coming in here are thirsty, and what they get a taste of is what our best human effort is, they're going to get dust in the mouth of a thirsty person. But what if, what if we were that people that took the time since we've had 27 days to dig and maybe this is where we are today to to challenge you, dig, start digging. It may feel dusty now, 
where you are spiritually, but just keep digging. Get rid of the stuff that the Lord shows you. If you'll get down there and say, Lord, this is dust. We can't live here. We can't survive here personally. We can't survive as a church because it has become dusty. And it's a well. It's supposed to be full of water and life. It's interesting in, this, in that analogy that the Lord showed me this uh, past week is that when it got dusty, we just started doing self-effort. We just started working harder and harder and harder to make the same sense of water available. How did it happen? I think we pursue other things for our fulfillment. We want to try to get something that makes us feel better, that feels, some of us put sports, and I love sports, but some of us put sports ahead of God in our life. That's a sediment of dust. It's a good thing. It's a gift of God. But if it becomes before our Lord, it becomes a sediment that will choke out some water. Some of us put entertainment and recreation ahead of training up our children in the way that they should go. You think, see what we're doing? We want our kids to prosper and we want them to do all the stuff. But if we're doing that, taking our kids and all we're doing is sports and we're neglecting uh, training them in the ways of the Lord, we neglected as a family to worship together, then we've put something ahead of the Lord and dust begins to build up where fresh water should be flowing. It's easy. It's easy to get off. It's easy for us to get our wells, start filling up. And we don't even know it. It just happens over time, little by little, as they begin to fill. You know what we do in our day? A lot of us put our rights ahead of God's ownership. And a little bit of dust begins to fill in. I have the right. I, it's my human right. I have this right to do this or not do this. And we put that self-will above the servant position we are to take with a living God. Say, Lord, whatever you say, I'll do. Whatever you speak, I'll speak. Wherever you go, I'll go. And we turned it into, Lord, I'll meet you on Sunday at 10 if the preacher keeps it short enough. I am short enough. But you know what Jeremiah said? These things bring you back to your slavery. Because you start going back to your Egypt to drink waters from old rivers that he took you out of. And you'll see that. When you start getting dusty in your spiritual journey, you'll find yourself tempted to go back to the things that you've been delivered from. You know what I, the scripture says? Dig. Get your shovels. Get before the Lord and say, Lord, show me what's under my feet. What am I building my life on? And if the Lord says, dig that out, dig it out. And have them raise that bucket and pull it out of the well. If, and if you'll keep digging, you'll keep digging more and more. And, the, and that process is not necessarily fun. If you've had to ever have a, you know, you're in an area about this big and you're having to use a shovel to dig dirt into a bucket and then they haul the bucket up, it's not easy. But it's necessary if we're ever going to get to where that river is flowing through that well again. So what I'm saying is we have, we're about midway of our 52 days. Dig. Let's start digging. I can't do it for you, you can't do it for me. Just get down there in the bottom of that well where it should be flowing with life-giving water. And if it is, just celebrate and party in the bottom of the well. Just have a great time. 
If it's dirty under your feet, if it's dusty, dig. Say, show me, God. Open my eyes, God. Let me see what have I done that has allowed you, the, the life-flowing flow of, your, of water of life that used to flow through me. What has happened? And just keep digging until you hit the bottom. And the well and the water flow, flows by it clean and clear. It'll be cold, it'll be cool, it'll be refreshing, it'll be clean, it'll, it'll be fulfilling. And when we're walking in that, when we have that flowing within us, we are like a well. Scripture talks about, remember? He says, we, I want to be like a well springing up within you, the water of life. And it'll pour out of you, and it'll pour out of us as a church. If you'll remember the church when it started, started as a small group of people who knew Jesus personally. They met him personally. They asked him to forgive them because they believed that in his message that I'll forgive you. Those, that early church gave their very life. Remember the fishermen left the fish, left the seashore and followed him. Remember the tax collector left his table and followed. They left their life and they followed this one that they believed was the Messiah. They gave their life to follow him. They were filled with this living water. Remember what Jesus said to them? I want you to go out. <clears throat> Two of you. I want you to go out and I want you to heal the sick. I want you to give sight to the blind. I want you to go out in my name and represent me to the people. I want you to cast out demons. You can remember a couple of times they couldn't do it. They got... And they came back to the teacher and said, Lord, why couldn't we do this? And he taught them. But the expectation was that they would have the same life-flowing uh, life within them. The river of life flowing with them. And they would function in that same power. And we want that. I know you want that. My, I desperately want that. Don't, wouldn't that be so cool? Anywhere you go. The, it's flowing in you. The life of the Spirit's flowing in you. And you're at Walmart or something and you see somebody in, in a need, in some kind of a crisis, and the Lord just says, I want you to go pray for that person. And the, the flow of the Spirit goes and you pray and there's some kind of miraculous thing occurs. They got to drink a water. It wasn't from you because you say, honestly, I have nothing to do with this. But Jesus, the one who gave his life for me, is flowing here and he wants to do this in your life and he wants to do it in such a way that you glorify God through what Jesus is doing. Now, don't tell me you wouldn't like that. Some of you wouldn't like that. A lot of you would like that. Okay, I'll take away Walmart. Okay, let's say you're at, uh, you're at the softball field and you're sitting in the stands and the family of the lady beside you is crying. And you don't know why, and you just say, what's, what's happening? She tells you about the brokenness of her family. And you say, well, you know, I, I, ha I know somebody that really cares for you. And you take the courage to say, could I pray? And you ask the Lord, God, would you please bring a sense of your presence in such a way, encompass this family in your arms, let them sense the power of your love in their life, and you believe all the time because that, that river's flowing through you, you know he's going to do it. Would that be cool? 
That's expected of us. And when it's not happening, you know what it is? Our well has gotten dusty. And I'm talking to me more. I'm talking to you probably. But what I am saying, let's start digging. In the last part of these 52 days, I'm going to ask you every morning, God, reveal to me what's creating dust where water should be flowing in my life. And say this, Lord, if you'll show me, I'll take a shovel and I'm going to dig it out. I'm going to get rid of it. Because I want your life and I want your life flow going in me more than anything else. I hope that's your desire. Like I said, this went a whole different way than what I was thinking about this week. If we don't, what happens is we start creating programs to make the flesh of people happy in the church. We start doing things just to make people in the flesh feel better. It's like a broken cistern. It won't hold water for you, for the church, or for the person we're trying to minister to. It won't work. Our very best, our best, highest, greatest day, as the Lord says, is as filthy rag, rags in comparison to His holiness. What they need is a drop of His living water. They don't need our best programming to make this happen. But that's what we do. We develop programs which are sometimes cisterns to hold water to try to bring the dry to get a drink. And the Lord says, I'd rather just let the life, let my life flow. And these things begin to happen. And we begin to question, can Jesus do this? And I'm closing with this. I could go on and on, but here's what I'm on. I went to Matthew, and I started reading through. I just walked through. I didn't read fully. I just looked at the titles and major messages. What did Jesus actually do? Can I give you a few? He turned water into wine at a wedding. He healed a royal official's son. He healed and cast out a demon in Capernaum. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. He helped Peter catch a large number of fish. His business just went wild. He helped, he cleansed and healed a leper. He healed the centurion's servant He healed a paralyzed man so that he could walk. He turned a withered hand into a normal hand. He brought back life to a widow's son. He cast out demons from a man of Gennesaret. Healed a woman with an issue of blood. Raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. Gave sight to two blind men. Removed the demons from a mute man so that he could speak. He fed 5,000 men and their families with some bread and fish. He walked on water. He healed a deaf man with a speech impediment. He gave sight to a blind man. He healed ten lepers and he brought a simple thing like Lazarus back from the dead. That's what he does. That is our, that's Jesus. And he says, now I'm going to go away to be at my right hand of my father. And I'm going to send my spirit to you because I want you to go do those things. Greater things than this shall you do. If our wells are not dry. Vicki, would you come? I have no idea what the Spirit or who he's talking to. I just know without a doubt this message is specifically for this day and for this people. And it may simply be for me. 
but I'm just telling you, I'm digging. I don't want to stand on the dry. I want to be in the water. And I don't know what the Lord's speaking to you, but I will say this to you. Be risky enough to say, Lord, what, what are you saying to me? And then, what are you going to do about it? Faith is some type of action toward what God is showing you. How's your well? Does it have life flowing water through it? Or is it really dusty where you're standing today? Of course, I'm talking about the, the flow of the Spirit of God in your life. Is it full of life or do you feel like it's dead? At the beginning, I said, what's the purpose? Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's the purpose. I know it's Sunday and I know it, it's summer. But it may be a day that this the Lord's meeting with you. And we're going to just take some time and let you meet with